Hello everyone, welcome to the Town Manager Download, a podcast about local government in the town of Shrewsbury. Today's podcast is going to cover a discussion about the town's uh, cemetery and role in burials uh, for Shrewsbury residents. So quite an interesting topic on the Town Manager Download. I'm Kevin Mizikar, the Town Manager of the Town of Shrewsbury, and I am joined by Principal Department Assistant, Taylor Galusha. How's it going, Taylor? Good, I, it's only been a week, two weeks, but it feels like it's been longer. It feels like a long time. We dropped a couple of episodes since um, the last time we were here and happy to have a conversation today. Uh, we will be joined a little bit later on by Justin Dobson, who's the town's cemetery program manager, uh, first person to actually hold that role. So it'll be interesting to catch up with him and uh, talk about uh, his first 10 plus months on the job and um, see where things take us. Do uh, anything fun this weekend? Um, weekends have been kind of quiet. My uh, Both of my daughters dance, so this is like dance competition season. So um, a couple weekends ago, they had a dance competition in, um, with a, I don't know what it's called, a company or something like that, Turn It Up, which they did really well in, really proud. Both of my girls got invited to uh, their national competition or national cool. competition team. So uh, congrats to them and their dan dance studio uh, for doing well. So that's fun. It's fun to go watch them. Uh, it's like a jam-packed weekend for them and mm -hmm. a lighter weekend for me. Yeah, so, just watch yeah. and just have watch. fun. Yeah. <laughs> Family time. Yeah, definitely. So um, how about you? My cousin turned nine this weekend, oh, wow. which is crazy because I remember when she was a little baby. <laughs> <laughs> like, when did you turn nine? She uh, qualified for Worlds for Junior like Golf League through Under yeah. Armour, um, which is cool. I don't think she's going because she's so not. Hot. But yeah, she wants to still enjoy golfing, which is I don't think many eight, nine-year-olds say that, but she's yeah. very good at it. So, That's awesome. um, so proud of her. Mm -hmm. Just did family, family mm -hmm. time this weekend. So, so one of the things I did on my downtime during dance recital was watch Top Gun Maverick. During which, <laughs> which I have to say, um, I was a huge Top Gun fan back in the '80s, and um, probably was like one of the first things that I really wanted to do would be was be a fighter pilot. My, mm -hmm. my dad was in the Air Force, actually. Um, he was uh, part of, uh, he was a, like a mechanic, a strategic mm -hmm. air command, so with uh, uh, B-52 bombers in Vietnam. So I'd always been fascinated from like conversations that we had and things that we did and he was interested in. And then like Top Gun sent me over the top to want to be that. Um, and then I watched Top Gun Maverick this weekend and it kind of rekindled it, but they probably... <laughs> You know, career change. Yeah, career change. <laughs> I think um, even though they still strap um, Tom Cruise into a fighter jet, they probably wouldn't Thank strap you. me in. No, probably not. not That's okay. Happen. You can just go to the museum, like like I do. Go to the museums, walk around, look at all the planes, and just dream that way. Yeah. <laughs> Get you in uh, a flight simulator. Yeah, I highly recommend it. It was a lot of. It was a. It was a fun movie to watch. So. Anything? Well, we have a ton of stuff going on in town. Um, I know it's our big, we said it like the last three episodes, but mm -hmm. approaching town meeting, town elections, 
Um, probably by the time this airs, the finance committee would have already had their um, hearings. Correct. So yep. we're like really moving. Yeah, we'll be moving into the middle part of that phase. Uh, the ballot will be set, so to speak, because mm -hmm. papers are due uh, between now and the time this will air. So we'll have a full slate of school committee members, select board members, town meeting members, um, which is always interested to interesting to hear and learn who's interested in taking on a bigger role within the community and join those joining those elected bodies. And um, they'll be in full campaign mode uh, for the next. Uh, couple months, I guess, mm -hmm. as we move to the May 2nd annual town election. Certainly encourage everyone to vote, and we'll be reminding everyone about that. And then we move to town meeting on May 15th at the Oak Middle School. So um, we're really into drafting the town meeting warrant right now. And uh, it's a little longer than normal. I think the first draft that we present to the select board will have between 53 and 55 warrant oh, articles. Wow. Um, the biggest difference is, um, in a nutshell, the Community Preservation Act funding articles. Yeah. So those those are have new different, this year. yeah, different ones for the project. Yeah, there's always that. new wrinkles, and one of them that we'll talk about today is the cemetery expansion project. Right. Um, but we've averaged around 43 to 45, so we're about 10 greater than that for this upcoming um, meeting, which we're going back to the traditional, which we've talked about mm -hmm. starting on a Monday night and then oh, we have bundles. moving forward. We do have articles that are bundled and a lot of articles lend themselves to that. So hopefully that'll provide us a little bit of acceleration throughout the meeting, but a uh, full warrant for town meeting members to consider. And we'll see who is elected once uh, we get past that May 2nd annual election. So. And um, I just want to add, because I saw it swirling around a little bit on the internets, Recreation does have their own Facebook page now, which is really exciting. Um, that was, I think, one of the first things Laurel set up um, when she started with the town. So they have information on all their programming um, in that one convenient place on social media. But they also have their online site, shrewsburymyrec.com, mm -hmm. that has the registration portal and um, calendars and whatnot. So um, for all you rec, right. rec folk, yep. there you go. <laughs> yeah, definitely. We're excited to share more information about our programs through the new Facebook page and, um, and individuals can sign up at shrewsburyma.myrec.com for our programs. We always encourage everyone to reach out to the office or send us an email if you have specific questions versus posting on Facebook mm -hmm. or things like that. It's just we monitor email and can get back to folks one-on-one -on -one with their questions better than we can serve in monitoring all the various pages associated with the town and the community. So uh, we're always happy to engage with folks and have a conversation if they have particular questions about town services, but we look forward to using that new Facebook page for recreation as a part of our way to share information with the community. So, um, yeah, but we're moving into uh, hopefully some warmer weather and uh, the full legislative process in the spring that we talked about in the last meeting. And I guess that brings us to today's topic of cemetery, cemetery which is an interesting topic, of course. Um, I don't think it's in a, uh, every city and town's portfolio of the business that they do. It's certainly part of what we do here in Massachusetts, though, because it's part of the general law is actually uh, MGL chapter 114, section 10, 
And I quote, says, each town shall provide one or more suitable places for the internment of persons dying within its limits. So, um, or who have died, hopefully, uh, is what that actually means. That's a joke. Right. Right. Oh. So, um, so <laughs> Got it. definitely something that we're responsible for in uh, providing uh, places of internment for individuals and um, it's been a, a topic that's been on the forefront of a lot of uh, people's minds in Shrewsbury because uh, Mountain View Cemetery, which is that uh, burial place within the community, um, is running out of space. So we look forward to talking to Justin about plans for that in the future. So um, not every city and town runs their own uh, municipal uh, cemetery, but mm -hmm. um, they have partnered or some way provided uh, for burial or internment in other areas. Um, that's just a little bit less of a straightforward way of, of handling uh, the municipality's responsibilities. And I think we are well suited to continue to provide those services as we have. Uh, it's an amazing, it's amazing the interest and uh, sensitivity of these matters, um, as everyone can imagine. Um, but recently, uh, it's been more of a challenge to this community than not because of our uh, space constraints and Mountain View. So we'll dive into that um, because we've only really been able to provide for quote-unquote immediate need. Right. So no one has been in the community has really uh, been able to do planning uh, for uh, these types of services because we don't have the capacity to just sell an unlimited number of lots and had to be uh, more limited with our approach, so. Right, um, we're like under 200 left. Yeah, under 200 lots left, and we haven't even started the construction of our next phase, so we need to make sure that we plan uh, to meet our obligations under the general laws for the next few years as we look to the future for uh, the next phase of our uh, cemetery services and burials here within the community. So um, we started this uh, expansion project a really long time ago, <laughs> technically speaking. Uh, Mountain View Cemetery has been in place since the uh, 17 or 1800s, mm -hmm. at least the 1800s, some very old, um, graves and burials within that uh, section of the town, which is located just adjacent to the common and behind the congregational church. Uh, town meeting actually bought a piece of property right across the street uh, at the corner of a prospect and 140 um, in 1976. And um, there was a lot of interest in that property. It was the former Masonic home property and um, there was a number of studies that were done in the 70s um, before a final decision was made on what the property should actually be used for. We do have other uses on that property that were allowed for and identified in the 1970s and part of that was for use by the water department for uh, their storage tanks which are up there. It was considered for a number of things. Uh, by the first study committee that was put in place in 1977, including potential housing, a uh, private restaurant, a golf course, office park, a nature center, um, and even actually elderly housing. And that was the first initiative that was taken on in partnership with the Shrewsbury Housing Authority to consider whether or not um, elderly housing apartments should be constructed. That was, um, considered to be a good option at the time, but unfortunately mm -hmm. uh, funding 
wasn't able to be secured by the housing authority, so that project never moved forward. So that brings us to 1979, and um, lo and behold, cemetery expansion was the the number one uh, use that was identified for that property. Uh, and some land was set aside again for water use, um, widening of prospect in Boylston streets, and then any remaining land to be kept for the town for recreational use. So it's interesting uh, over the last 43, 44 yeah. years, the concept that was put into place in 1979 has really held true all this time. So This is more of a sidebar, but when we pulled all this information together, it's all pulled from like the different annual town reports and just like, I know it seems like they're just books that we hand out at the election, mm -hmm. but it's like it, when it comes to stuff like this, just to have a historical full view of what was going on and what the town was thinking and what different departments and divisions were doing at the time. It's just kind of cool to be able to go yeah. from book to book and see, oh, this is what happened with this this year. And then the next year, this, just seeing the development right. of government kind of unfold in front of you. It's really neat. Yeah, and obviously much better than just what everyone's memory is. Those annual yeah. time reports that are published uh, each and every year, and Taylor, you're actually responsible for pulling that all together for all town departments um, this year. And um, it's so much, it, it's so important because everyone's memory is just one part or piece mm -hmm. or something really close. Right. <laughs> and then you sit down and read those actual documents and you're like, oh, like no, it was actually, institutional yeah. knowledge is written yep. down right here. Exactly. So it, it's invaluable. Um, I agree. It's some people look at the annual town report and it's hard sometimes writing those sections to think about or to know how valuable they may be in the future for people to go right. back and reflect upon. There's actually some sections that uh, Justin uh, Dobson, who will be on in a little bit, sent to me about uh, some of the first town managers reports. and I found them very interesting. Um, and really two perspectives, and I won't go too far, but um, you started this sidebar. I'm sorry. Me. It's just so, I'm being yeah. a history nerd. I'm yeah. sorry. But it's, you know, in some ways, the different things that they are dealing with, yet. It's the same. The same. Right. right? Yeah. So we'll talk a, a, a little bit about that uh, before the end of this episode. So, um yeah, so I mean, a lot of work had been done in the late 70s, and then we fast forward to the realization in 2008, 2009, uh, and then again in the last few years that, you know, hey, um, what else could this property be used for? So it was actually briefly looked at for the expansion or for the use of uh, the Beale School. Uh, that was quickly dismissed because of the other uses for the property. Prior to that, it was uh, actually considered at another point in time um, for an elementary school construction. Um, and then again, in 08, 09, we started to say, hey, we're kind of running out of space over here at Mountain View. We need to do some, some planning. Um, and an initial concept was developed in 08, 09. Um, but then when it was revisited in 2020, 2021, uh, with funding that was set aside for a town meeting. I think we came up with a really interesting plan um, to how to appropriately place uh, burials within a part of the community that now over the last 40 years has been known to many as just a park right. or undeveloped parcel that's owned by the town land that people could use for pass passive recreational purposes. 
So um, I think we've struck a really nice uh, natural uh, setting type um, burial plan um, that will be used for the community for approximately 50 years. At least mm -hmm. that's, that's how we're laying the plan out and that's what the, the concept was developed to meet that goal. So. Um, yeah, I think like in my head when I think I think, or anybody, when you hear the word cemetery, you're just going to automatically think of any cartoon or movie mm -hmm. you've seen with like the headstones sticking out of the ground and lined up. And right. um, what's been helpful for me to kind of visualize like the drawings better is just looking up other towns, either in the state or out of state, that have these sort of more natural embedded cemeteries, mm -hmm. I think is the better mm -hmm. word for it. Like it's not like an overwhelming landscape of headstones like it's a park with that just happens right. to have burials there which I think is a good balance and can let people maybe enjoy the space a little bit more with their loved ones exactly and, and it'll be a good blending of those various uses that were identified for the site maybe not so much the water tank that will kind of stay mm -hmm. as is but you know as I said before that fourth use was in for the balance of the land to be used for park purposes. That's something that the select board um, actually is looking to affirm when we get to the annual town meeting this year as well. Mm -hmm. um, we, we've always talked about this as being phase one, but perhaps um, this being the last phase or the only phase of development on the prospect side um, and dedicating whatever land isn't necessary for this um, 50-year mm -hmm. development to be permanently set aside for park purposes. Um, and then, of course, that means we'll have to find other land if necessary um, once the entire space is used. But obviously, if we have a 50-year horizon, we can make those decisions or someone can make those decisions right. at an appropriate time in the future. So I guess it probably makes the most sense uh, at this time to uh, bring in today's guest, Justin Dobson, who's the town's first cemetery program manager. Uh, we look forward to Justin getting us up to speed on um, what he's been doing uh, since he started this role and um, how the expansion of the cemetery will play out and other challenges that he sees working in this environment for the town of Shrewsbury. So Justin, welcome. It's a pleasure to have you. Um, so uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, um, maybe uh, where you went to college and your experience with the town and uh, anything else you want to add? Thank you for having me. Excited to join you guys on the podcast. Um, my name is Justin Dobson. I graduated from the College of the Holy Cross in Worcester in 2019. My major was in political science and I minored in Deaf studies. Uh, after college, I thought I might wanted to be a lawyer for a little bit. I uh, got some experience in the field as a paralegal and decided that wasn't the career path that I found most fulfillment in. So I started looking for a career in local government, where I felt you know it's a level of government where we can directly engage with people and perhaps have the most direct impact on the lives of our residents. So started working for the town almost two years ago now. I uh, started in the office of the town manager and select board. I was there for about a year and transitioned to the new role as a cemetery program manager where I've been for several months now. Awesome. So um, what's that been like? You're the first cemetery program manager, so what have you worked on uh, since your appointment there and um, what have some of the challenges been? 
So I think initially I tried to get a lay of the land and try to figure out what the processes in place were and how we've traditionally done things, uh, which traditionally we've kept a lot of records and we're quite, quite redundant in that process. Uh, we probably keep three, four copies of the same record. So uh, the initial project that I undertook was really just simplifying some of that process so that we're only perhaps keeping one record of what we need and making sure that our records are digital as opposed to paper-based. We're a cemetery that's been around for almost 300 years now, mm -hmm. so and we'll be here for 300 more, so that's mm -hmm. quite a lot of paper records if you're keeping <laughs> them all, so. So what, what are those records? Like, what is found? Is it, like, what, what types of records is, are essential to the program like this? Yeah, so we maintain a lock card for each burial plot that a family purchases, and that'll show you the location of the graves, uh, which person is buried in which grave, some biographical information such as the person's age, and we had several copies of that card. Mm -hmm. And then we would have burial cards, which were essentially uh, an index card with more detailed biographical information about the person, like their date of birth, date of death, and that really um, just helps us keep track of, you know, relationship between decedents and a little bit more of a personal note on the the people that we're, we're interring in the cemetery. So instead of having physical burial cards, we've transitioned to keeping more of a spreadsheet of that information. The lock cards, those were all physical. We had a copy at town hall and a copy at the cemetery office, and sometimes those copies didn't have the same information. So in that scanning project, I made sure to cross-reference the information so that we're having accurate records. Again, that's important being an institution that's hundreds of years old. We want to make sure that we know what we were doing 100 or 200 years ago and that that information is accurate. So scanning all of that information and making sure, again, it's all accurate. Mm -hmm. My favorite thing that I found out that you do are like genealogy inquiries, which I think is cool because I, I like looking up my family tree and learning mm -hmm. about yeah. like where everyone was. So I'm sorry if I burden you with more no, <laughs> work okay. to do and phone calls, but I think that's like an interesting thing that the yeah. cemetery does do for residents. In the making the reg records digital has really helped with that process, but because before you'd have to physically go down to where the information is kept, mm -hmm. pull the record, go back to perhaps the town clerk's office, look up their records because they'll have uh, the death certificate and that information that's kept by them. Um, so just being able to look it up in the computer and then kind of just cut that one step out yeah. and I can respond to people within minutes as mm -hmm. opposed to hours mm -hmm. or days. So. so outside of that, Justin, like um, on a I mean, obviously you work on those things on a day-to-day -day basis, but what, what is the town's role? What, what, what does the position entail um, as far as, you know, I know we're not doing it proactively right now, but the sale of a lot mm -hmm. to a burial. What, what, does, what does the town do in that process and in your position doing this process? Yeah, so you, you both were discussing that um, we're only selling lots by immediate need basis currently. Mm -hmm. and. That's really because we do have less than 200 lots available. We're running out of space. Um, so we meet with families who have experienced the loss of their loved one. We'll meet with them at the cemetery, accompany them down to the section where we are selling lots, which is at the 
very bottom of the cemetery closer to Boylston Circle, it's section QQ. We'll go over some of the family's preferences. Some people want a single grave because they know that, you know, themselves and their spouse are going to be cremated and eat, a single grave can accommodate, you know, two cre cremated remains. Um, so really just trying to see what the family, what the family's needs are in, in meeting that need. Um, from that point, we would really be in communication with a funeral home. So we have uh, several local funeral homes that we work with and they'll contact us to arrange the burial process. So they'll give us a time and date that they'd like to be at the cemetery for the burial. We work with the town's contractor and they perform the excavation, so the opening of the grave, mm -hmm. and they'll be present the day of the burial to close the grave after the burial has occurred. And then from there, um, it's again going back to the record keeping, you know, making sure we're updating all of our records to reflect that a burial has occurred. We fill out a burial permit and send that to the Board of Health, so that way 100 years from now, if we ever get an inquiry about whether a person was buried here or not, we're able to provide all of that information readily. The town also has spaces in a columbarium, right? So how does that process work? Correct. So um, the columbarium is a little bit different. We've So with respect to lots, we've really curtailed who is able to buy one. So previously, we would allow pre-need. So you could plan ahead. You could be 35 years old, purchase a grave, and not use it for several decades. Mm -hmm. Um, but we also used to allow current residents to purchase a plot for an immediate family member, such as a parent or a child. Um, with the thought process that oftentimes those parents might have lived in Shrewsbury once, moved away, and are looking to be buried in the community that they initially started their family in. We don't allow that currently for lots. We do not allow immediate family members to purchase them, again, because we're running out of the space. The columbarium you are able to purchase for a family member, so that's one of the benefits of the columbarium. Um, you are also able to buy two niches at one time, whereas you're only restricted to one lot mm -hmm. uh, per household. So if you're buying two niches, that can fit four cremated remains. Um, so being a little bit more generous with that uh, policy because we do have the columbarium niches available, mm -hmm. whereas we are quite low with the lots and I can't readily create more earth in lots whereas mm -hmm. I can easily have another columbarium installed. And the columbarium was originally installed in 2017 mm -hmm. uh, and that's because a lot of people are now desiring to be cremated. Uh, I think the cremation rate in America right now is approaching 60%. So we're, we're at that majority now mm -hmm. and initially the, the sales were a, a little slow just because it was a new concept and I think uh, there's apprehension to anything that's new initially. But uh, last year we sold 10 niches, which is impressive because I think the year before that we did four. Oh. So wow. almost a 300% increase yeah. uh, year over year, which yeah. has been good, yeah. yeah. So um, you've mentioned and we've mentioned throughout that we're running out of physical space uh, on the Mountain View side. Mm -hmm. And we have uh, this 60 plus acre uh, aspect uh, known as Prospect Park that uh, the majority of it was set aside for a primary use of a cemetery. So what can you tell us about um, what's going on with regards to the expansion project and where we may be a year from now? Okay. Um, 
So at special town meeting, we requested funds to be appropriated for the design of the cemetery. And that has been underway for several weeks and will continue in the coming weeks as we get ready for town meeting. It's our intent to have a design and a cost estimate available for our finance committee, board of selectmen, or select board, and town meeting so that way we can request the appropriation of those funds. Um, in recent weeks, you may have seen land surveyors along Route 140. There's been some trees that have been tagged at the property. Those trees are not all going to be clear cut. They're not mm -hmm. all going to be cut down. Um, we've requested that Davy Tree, who's one of the consultants we're working with, tag any trees that are greater than an eight inch diameter, so trees that have been there for some time, mm -hmm. and any trees of unique species, whether they're you know endangered or invasive or what have you. And, and really the intent is the Prospect Park Cemetery is supposed to be a rural cemetery. And that type of cemetery, the most prominent example that the town's consultant BSC group references is Mount Auburn in Cambridge. Mm -hmm. And that was established in the 1830s and it was purposely put in that location because it was, the topography wasn't suitable for many other uses at the time in the 1800s, whether it was a farm or a factory mm -hmm. or what have you. It was hilly, quite like Prospect Park is, and really the thought process was uh, to have this meandering road go up the hill at Mount Auburn, so that way people who are using the cemetery are able to have a nice view, it's mm -hmm. tranquil, and it, and it brings the peace, uh, visitors a, a degree of peace um, in obviously an emotional situation. So in many ways the Prospect Park design is modeling that. It's going to have a meandering road that goes up uh, along the lower level of the Prospect Park Hill, and the lots are supposed to be sort of tucked away into the natural landscape. So in between trees, or you'll have a small cutout of trees where the graves will go. So not your traditional New England cemetery where it's rows and rows, but more integrated into the, the existing landscape and trees. That's great. So we'll move into um, town meeting and, and we'll have that cost estimate and we'll, we'll seek approval for that and then um, we talked about having less than 200 graves left. Do you have an idea on how long it may be before lots could be sold uh, at Prospect? And maybe even, a, a, we won't hold you to it, but mm -hmm. a, a long-term outlook of when first burials may happen there. Several years, I would say, Several yeah. Years. So yep. we're probably looking at five to six. Okay. Um, and that puts us in a time crunch because at town meeting, we shared we have about 150 plots left, and at the rate that we're selling them, all of the plots will be sold out by 2030s, the early, like 2031, mm -hmm. 2032. But our single and double graves, uh, double grave lots, which are our most popular, because mm -hmm. it's usually the only amount of space that a family will need, uh, those will be sold out at an even sooner date. Okay. So this timeline kind of puts us against a crunch of mm -hmm. when we'll run out mm -hmm. versus when we'll be creating the new spaces. Yeah. So a lot of work that you've done to, you know, move into a much more deeply digital environment uh, for our records and you're doing a lot of planning for what's going to happen uh, for the expansion. What have you seen in the cemetery that, that catches your eye? What's 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 the oldest grave that, that's in there? What's what's I don't know if your favorite is an appropriate way to ask it, but what's what's one of the most unique burials that that you see. I know the more historic section of Mountain View is closer to the Congregational Church and there's some of those 
traditional old uh, above ground, I'm not sure what the right term is, uh, internment uh, yeah. location. Yes. So what, what, anything stand out to you? I was going through some of the old maps mm -hmm. and we have an Isaac Newton who was buried in Mountain View Cemetery. I found his uh, headstone, which was, was neat. And Isaac Newton. And Isaac Newton, not the <laughs> Isaac Newton. Yes. Um, Very specific. Favorite headstone, it's probably former town manager Dick Carney's. Oh, yeah. It is of the, t it's a replica of Town Hall and a nice, uh, nice feature on it is that the town manager's window is uh, in white, so to signify that the light is always on in the mm -hmm. town manager's office. So that is an impressive stone. It's interesting, yeah. I think my favorite inscription, um, so I was walking the grounds one day, it was one and done, we had fun. There you go. Yep, that was a, that was a nice, nice inscription on the I'll headstone. write that one down. <laughs> yeah, might use that for, for my own you know, yeah. in the future. Now, would you say the historic section of Mountain View, given that there's mature tree cover, is, you know, was it, was it designed more for a natural setting like that, or is that just because of its age? Like, in comparison to what's going to happen across the street yeah. at Prospect Park? So, I think it's its age, okay. and so Ricardo Ostrich at BSC Group, uh, he did a nice presentation for the master plan for, for the Prospect Park Cemetery, and the public uh, meeting is actually recorded and available on the town website. And there's a line that he used where it's old becomes new. Mm -hmm. In many ways, uh, the cemetery industry is re returning to its roots, where if you look at old pictures of the old section, there's actually probably double the amount of trees that are there. So it's very thick tree cover. It's very naturalistic. Mm -hmm. You had these more natural looking cart paths that weren't paved. Mm -hmm. um, so a very natural looking cemetery. And if you think about it, at that time period, burials were green burials. People mm -hmm. were placed into pine boxes and the natural decomposition process would take place. And now that is uh, something that you know, many people are interested in mm -hmm. currently. So it's been interesting to see the the industry take a full circle sure. in many ways. Yeah. So um, I guess the last technical question, and I know you know you've talked about um, your document management. I know that's what it takes to you know move us into a, a better long-term environment. Um, how how will the new um, cemetery section be laid out, I, I assume through higher technology, mm -hmm. GIS systems and things like that. So we'll really start and we'll start digital there and, and be more advanced from day one. Correct. So with section QQ, which is one of the newer sections in Mountain View, that was laid out by GIS. So our GIS coordinator, Dan McCullen, worked with our parks and uh, our parks and cemetery foreman, um, Ryan Point Beyond. So Dan was able to digitally map it out through GIS, which helped Ryan in the field be able to physically map it out because what you do is you'll take these metal markers that have these numbers on them to signify the, the lot number and you'll place those mm -hmm. at the corners of, of each lot. So that, that digital aspect definitely helped us in physically mapping out the, mm -hmm. the, the cemetery. So yes, that will be the approach day one for, for, Mount, or for Prospect Park. Nice. Any other cemetery thoughts before we move on? It's been interesting. Yeah? Yeah.
No, I never thought I'd know this much about cemeteries. <laughs> but, it's, but it's been interesting. I think Taylor mentioned, you know, being a history nerd or history buff, and mm -hmm. that's something that, you know, I've definitely enjoyed about this this role is being able to look at what my predecessors were doing 200 years ago and the thought process. Mm -hmm. For example, now we charge perpetual care. So when you pay for a lot, we just take a percentage of the proceeds, put it into a perpetual care fund. Mm -hmm. At that time, they're charging annual care. Okay. So if you didn't pay your bill that year, maybe they just mow around your lot <laughs> and, it, and it looks strange. They didn't so, kick anyone out? It, no. So <laughs> it, it's just interesting and, you know, looking back at the history and, you know, there's one section of the cemetery where I didn't quite understand the layout and, you know, what their thought process was and then came across some records where people preferred to have their graves facing a certain, Direction. you know, east-west as opposed to north-south. Okay. So they were, they had a four grave lot and they said, I'll, I'll turn back two of the graves and I'll have a two grave lot if I'm able to shift the orientation. So hmm. that solved that mystery of why there's uh, the island of misfit yeah. headstones. Yeah, the there's section. a lot of interesting traditions that the living still go through when they uh, yeah. <laughs> visit the cemetery and things they do. So. Um, yeah, that's that's another interesting story. So, you guys uh, have my favorite professional magazine name, Memento Mori. That is, that is great. That's like the best one. Yeah. Out of all of them, I'll give it to you. Or uh, there's a, a National Cemetery and Funeral Association, and they entitle their podcast "Dead Talks" nice. instead of "Ted Talk." That's you know? great. So, it's another. Got to yeah. balance. Yeah. It's all about balance. <laughs> yep. So, Justin, uh, you, of course, know um, being a member of the town manager's office uh, when you're there, we always strive to be uh, the best local government in the world. And um, yesterday or last week it was, you sent me some information on some of the first uh, annual reports of the modern era after the town manager act was passed. Um, and it included a, a final snippet from the 1953 report of the uh, Board of Selectmen at the time. And it said um, from that 1953 report, which was the first year after the establishment of the Selectmen Town Manager. Um, so I guess my point here with this uh, quote that I'm going to read is that we may not be, have been the first ones that said we wanted to be the best local government in the world because from 1953 it says, your Board of Selectmen feels that Shrewsbury has the main tools available to make our town government second to none. So even way back, I know that was the ideals of the Selectmen Town Manager Act. A lot of people worked on it. Uh, that report was written by Homer St. Ange, uh, John Manzi, Irving Donahue, William Belanger, and uh, Herbert Dufres. Dufres? If I... Dufresne. Dufresne? Yeah. So... Uh, I just found that interesting, so thanks for sharing that with me. Cool. Um, but I think that leads us to the two. TM download the best segment. I have two. Two. Yep. You, I, but I it's like agreed. it's like one okay. and a half, but it's right. like one for us, but two for Justin. Oh, perfect. Okay. Okay. Yep. Appreciate right. it. <laughs> What's the best island in Lake Quinsigamond? <laughs> no, the best island in town. Period. The best island in yeah, Massachusetts. Sure Best island in Massachusetts. So if it's Mass Massachusetts, no. it's, uh -oh. it's Buster <laughs> Rhymes okay. Island. Okay, okay. <laughs> I was like, you can't change it. But if it was it. Lake Quinsigamond, it's Drake Island. We're, we're perhaps the only two municipalities with 
rapper inspired. Islands. How did Drake Island come? That seems well, a little too modern. For me. I think it was the guy's <laughs> last name was Drake, oh, but but no, we'll that's a different story. Yes, got it. Yeah, yeah. Buster Rhymes Island. Yeah. So. Buster tell, tell the Lord. It's in yeah. Mill Pond, right? Yeah. So in Mill Pond, and it's a small little island. I think a news outlet just did an episode. Yeah, where WBUR. They, yeah, they visited Market Basket and then took a trip down to the island. I myself may have direct messaged Buster Rhymes on Instagram when he was in Worcester, requesting that he visit the island. I think it never made it past, you know, his press team, but mm. I tried. Yeah. Um, but yes, uh, uh, a local resident said that there was vines and blueberry bushes on the island and that those are things that Busta Rhymes would enjoy and named it Busta Rhymes Island. Good. Yeah. I think it shows up on Google Maps now. It does. It does, yeah. Right. That makes it official. Yep. It's a much Mostly. longer process than that. <laughs> yeah. Theoretically. Well, the TikTok I did see from WBUR that talked about it, there was people in the comments being like, tell the town to make it official. Oh, <laughs> like, call me. Good, yeah. <laughs> I think if enough people refer to it as that, then I think in our hearts in Shrewsbury. Well, no, let's Buster be honest. Arms. No one's going to change it. No, right. We're all, we're always going to call it Buster Arms. Sentimental, at least at this point. Yeah. yeah. Good. We'll put it in an annual report. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, the real, the best that I definitely didn't think of on the spot for this episode. Um, I think it actually is very fitting because of what we talked about throughout this episode of like history and traditions and lore. Um, this is what? No, it's not. <laughs> it's very, that is, it is at least nice rope tie-in. thickness. It is definitely not like thread thickness. <laughs> I'm not pulling at threads on a fringe carpet. Um, what is your favorite tradition or lore from the college you graduated from? And I guess if you graduated from multiple, you can. Mm. Guess go first? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. We, we welcome that. Um, <laughs> I had an initial thought, but I've changed it now. So, okay. One of the, I would say the best tradition that Holy Cross has is midnight breakfast. Oh. It's during your finals week when you're up to like 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. anyway, and all the staff and faculty mm-hmm. serve you breakfast. Really? Yeah. So, at midnight? At midnight. That's awesome. Yeah. That's a really good tradition. It is. Like that. Yeah. Coffee, breakfast, yeah. keep you up. That's great. Yeah. Finals week. Finals week College only. Of the Holy Cross. Unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Free coffee in the library, too. You know, you, yeah. ever, you never ever need a cup of coffee. Just visit Holy Cross during finals week. It's for free. <laughs> good to know. Yeah. Stop two there week, on my two way weeks in. a year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just for you. Um, All right, Taylor. St. Merrimack. Yep. We have a lot of traditions. I think my favorite academic one is we do first lecture every year. So I don't know if you guys are familiar with like last lectures, like when a tenure professor retires, they'll give like a last mm-hmm. lecture on like life advice. But Merrimack will do a first lecture, which um, they'll pick like a, doesn't have to be a first year professor, but they'll kind of give a lecture to the freshman students, kind of give them advice about like their time in college. Mm -hmm. And it's supposed to be lighthearted, but kind of gives them solid 
life advice. And one of my favorite ones was from my um, photography advisor that passed away this year, Kevin Salemi. He had probably like the best, he had the best mm. first, first lecture, so. Nice, that's an interesting tradition. Yeah, nerdy, but what can I yeah. say? Yeah, um, so West Virginia University, I think one of their coolest traditions now, although it wasn't in place when I was there, is the singing of Country Roads after oh. home uh, <laughs> football and basketball and I'm sure many other sports victories. That was not in place whenever I was there. Um, so um, I tip my hat to them. That's a really cool thing that I would have loved to participate in. Um, I think um, something fun at the beginning of the school year although it may not work out really well for the first week of classes, but the first night of class, there's a big concert and it's called Fall Fest and it's just a really good way to acclimate both onto the campus and meet new people and um, catch up with people that you hadn't seen all summer if you so were off campus. it's not so. homecoming, right? Because it's at the no, beginning. No, it's the first night of classes, right? So again, makes the second day of classes a little bit harder, <laughs> but um, it's good to catch up with So people. this week. A good community event, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, you're right. So, all right. So uh, I think that brings us pretty near the end of this episode. Um, please to um, have a conversation with Justin Dobson today and talk about the town's uh, role in burials as uh, with his role as cemetery program manager. Um, we appreciate you coming on and spending your time with us. This has been another great conversation on the Town Manager Download. As always, if you have a question or comment, you can reach us at tmdownload at shrewsburyma.gov. So on behalf of Taylor Galusha, I'm Kevin Mizikar. Thank you for listening.